Hello, Centerway Church. I'm Priscilla. Hi, I'm Meredith. And we're here to welcome you and give you some information to start off our gathering today. Hello to everyone here with us, whether you're watching live or joining us later in the week, and hello to any watch parties out there. Yeah, and also a special welcome to any guests joining us for the very first time. We can't say enough how happy we are that you're here. Over the next couple of minutes, we'll share some information that we hope helps you navigate and enjoy your first visit with us. We're in a really unique season of being mostly online with some in-person gatherings here and there. So we hope to meet you face-to-face -face very soon. But today, as you visit online, we trust you still feel at home here. You can learn more about us on our website if you have more questions after this. And for those of you that hear this information every single week, just stick with us because this may help you as well. And there is some new information to share at the end. If you're gathering live on Sunday, we encourage you to check out the tabs right on the online platform. You can share your information with us, which will just help us to follow up and get feedback from you. Also on the live platform, you can explore next steps, find previous messages, and if you call Centerway home and would like an easy way to give, there's a tab to do that. During the gathering, if you have questions or would like prayer, just request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening later in the week, many of the things I just mentioned can happen through our website. If you'd like to connect with us after this gathering, if you have ideas, feedback, questions, you need prayer, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Yeah, that's good. We really do love hearing from you. And in addition to emailing us, some other ways you can connect during the week is to check out our social media and to access resources on our website. If you visit the messages page, you'll find all of our messages, including one just for our kiddos. They'll sing some songs and hear a message just for them. The kids learn from the same scripture text that we do. So if you have kids in your home, you'll be able to discuss the application together, uh, which is really special. Also on that page are resources related to the message, like uh, images you can put on your devices to remind you of the application, uh, links to the Spotify playlist for the series, and access to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. If you would like to receive the devotionals directly to your inbox, instead of going to the website, you can subscribe on the Next Steps page to do that. Before we wrap up, we have a couple of things to share. We're very excited to be starting a brand new series today. We just wrapped up our Greater Expectations series, which was really amazing. If you wanna revisit any of those messages or resources, they'll continue to live on our website on the messages page. Just scroll down to the series archive and find the Greater Expectations series and all our previous series. You can also find an Instagram highlight with all the applications. As for today though, we're kicking off eight weeks talking about connecting the dots. We're excited to stay in the book of Mark and to continue growing together through this series. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, the second thing that we want to share is that we have locked in two more in-person <laughs> gatherings. Uh, we're so excited. Last Sunday we met at Pinnacle Athletic Campus and we are going to be there again for at least two more Sundays. Uh, last Sunday was incredible. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was so good to be together. Now, there were sports taking place, yes. Uh, did we hear an air horn from time to time? <laughs> also, yes. Uh, but did anyone seem to care? Uh, if you did, you didn't tell us. And if you did, you should tell us. Um, but all the feedback that we got was just so positive that everyone was just so happy to be together. And so we're really looking forward to that again. So mark your calendars, Sunday, May 16th, and Sunday, June 13th will be in-person gatherings with an online gathering later in the day. Again, May 16th and June 13th. And we'll send out an email and also put that on the um, calendar page of the website and also on our social media. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Kim will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. Right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now, with an amazing backdrop, here's Kim with the text for today. Hi, Centerway friends. 
We're coming from Florida. We miss you guys, but uh, we'd love that we get to connect this way. So I'm going to read Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of these those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom, is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Hello and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Excited that you have the opportunity to be with us as we begin a brand new series entitled Connecting the Dots. And uh, this message in particular is entitled Divine Intent. I had uh, something occur while I was uh, working as a server's assistant at a high-end restaurant while I was in college. We were just outside of Philadelphia, and um, the server that I was working with that night uh, was a huge, huge hockey fan and uh, obsessed with it. And he was in particularly devastated uh, because the Philadelphia Flyers were having some type of game of importance that night. Uh, I'm not a hockey fan, and so I don't pretend to know, but he was devastated. He was just in a miserable mood, and I was getting some of the consequences of that. Um, what he didn't realize is something was taking place unbeknownst to him. And so right at the beginning of his shift, as he's just kind of frustrated and annoyed, uh, his girlfriend shows up. And she comes over and she starts talking to him and she pulls out two tickets and he's like, what? You're kidding me. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And he's like, oh, I can't, I can't go. I have to work. I, I have a shift. I have a shift and, and, and there's no way I can go tonight. I can't believe it. That's even worse. And so he's kind of like replaying the devastation of it. And all of a sudden a server shows up that was not scheduled that night. And he goes, oh my gosh oh my gosh, this is perfect. I can't believe that you're here. And and he's like, yeah, I know. Because his girlfriend had worked out for him to show up here. And so he's there to take his shift. But he doesn't realize that. He's so overwhelmed by the moment that he's like, is there any way, is there any way that you could take my shift tonight? Could, could you work for me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I'm here. He's like, oh my gosh, that is such an amazing coincidence. I just need to ask the, the shift leader, uh, you know, I won't say her name or anything, but there's a, a boss that we had. He goes, I just need to ask her permission to see if she's all right with it. So he turns around and she's of course standing right there knowing that all of this was going to happen. And so he turns around and he goes, oh my gosh, it's perfect that you're right here. Is there any way that he can take my shift tonight? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, thank you so much. He's like, oh man, the only thing is I don't, I don't have my car. I don't have my car because this other guy we worked with had borrowed his car. 
intentionally so that way he wouldn't lend his car to someone else because there were a lot of people that would borrow his car from time to time. And so he knew that if he asked to borrow his car, then he'd have his keys for this moment. And so he turns around and this other coworker flips him the keys. He's like, wait, you don't need it? And he's like, dude, no, I, I didn't need your car. And he's like, oh, but you asked to borrow the keys. And so he turns around to his girlfriend. He's like, look, it's all coming together. It's like amazing. All these coincidences. And she's like, are you kidding? And he's like, what? And she's like, she grabs his face. <laughs> I'll never forget. She goes, I planned this. I planned this. All of it. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, no coincidences. All planned. And he's like, oh, thank you. And then he just embraces and he literally started to get emotional. I mean, he liked hockey way too much. But I'm, I'm telling you that story because... I want to ask you this question. Why does coincidence always surprise us? Why does coincidence always surprise us? Like when it's all seeming to fall into place, like this is an amazing coincidence and we're surprised by it. I want to submit to you the thought that's rather obvious, that coincidences always surprise us because we believe them to be actual coincidences. We believe that it's just randomly taking place, that it's just chance encounters, that it seems like somehow cosmically, accidentally, everything is perfectly falling into place. It's against all odds. And if that's the case, honestly, some coincidences, like the one I'm talking about, which of course was no coincidence at all, should blow our minds. It should blow our minds. I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances that absolutely everything is coming together like this? Some things that are literally statistically impossible are impossible because they're not actual coincidences. If it's a coincidence, if it's a coincidence, then of course it's against all rational thought. It absolutely blows our minds. But what if, what if it's not a coincidence at all? What if it's all part of a plan that's just perfectly coming together? What if it's planned? Well, when those aren't chance encounters at all, but rather intentional moments, those moments that are intentional require a response. Someone has acted on our behalf in, in some unbelievable way, in some selfless way. And so we're overwhelmed with gratitude. We, we can't even believe. I, I just, I remember the look on this guy's face. And as they're leaving the restaurant, he runs back and he hugs the waiter that took his uh, uh, shift. He high fives the guy that threw him the keys and he's giving thumbs up to everybody. He's, he's overwhelmed by the fact that everyone in his sphere of influence has come together to make something take place just for him. Well, today's text is either a record of incredible coincidence, like off-the-chart coincidences, or a list of intentional divine moments that require a response from us. If you've been in church for a while, then you may at some point have been familiar with this text. It's referred to as the triumphal entry. It marks the beginning of what's known as Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life. And he's moving towards Jerusalem at this point, and he's ultimately moving towards a cross. Now, like it or not, as a human, you have to respond to Jesus. 
every single one of us within earshot, or if you're watching, you have to respond to Jesus. You either believe him to be God or you don't. There's no middle ground. And both of those responses inform how we live our lives and how we interact with others. So let's take a look at the first coincidence, if you will, in today's text. Verses two through three, they say this. Jesus is speaking and it starts with, and said to them. So Jesus said to them, these two disciples, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. So this is the first thing that Jesus is asking two of his disciples to do. Now, these disciples are of Jewish descent and they know the writings of the prophets. They have them absolutely memorized in some cases. It was just the way they were raised. And so what is happening right here is the beginning of a coincidence, if you will, associated with Zechariah 9.9. I want to read a verse, Zechariah 9.9, that would have been definitely known by these Jewish disciples. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, what's happening here is Jesus is beginning to reveal what he is telling everybody up until this point to keep a secret. The messianic secret is starting to come uh, to, to for, full front. Everyone is going to be aware of who Jesus is and what he's been called to do. Some may have said in that day, wow, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. You know, Zechariah talks about how uh, the, the Messiah will ride in on a donkey. And look, here, here comes Jesus on a donkey. What a coincidence. But the reality is the disciples knew that he was the Messiah. It had already been declared by Peter and they were witnessing a front row seat. And so actually what the disciples are experiencing at this moment is a level of excitement, I assume, because they're connecting the dots right here. Like, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment that Jesus actually becomes the king we want him to be. Finally, we're going to make public what we've always known. Now, they had an idea, of course, what that would look like. And it's not at all what it actually looked like. They had to have the thought, finally, finally. If you remember from the, the series that we just concluded, they've actually argued about who would sit at his right hand, who's the, the greatest in, the, in his kingdom. They view the Messiah to be a political and, um, and uh, army warrior, so this is, this is Jesus, this Messiah is going to come and overthrow the Roman government. And so finally, it's all coming to place. People might view this as a coincidence, but they know better. The Messiah we want. And then lo and behold, a second coincidence. Verses four through six say this. And they, the disciples, went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. It's amazing, right? There it is, just like Jesus said. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, 
what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. This is incredible. Like, look at all these incredible coincidences taking place. Not only does, does this line up with Zechariah, but now it happens exactly the way Jesus said it would. And they go and say what Jesus tells them to say. And sure enough, they're like, hey, yeah, go ahead. Take the donkey that's not yours. Someone allows their donkey colt to essentially be stolen. Now, I know that, that Jesus tells them that, that they will return it, but at the very least to even borrow a donkey at no cost during the single busiest time of the year in Jerusalem. There are a lot of people walking past towards Jerusalem at this point on their pilgrimage. And so it makes complete sense for them to be unwilling to allow this donkey to leave. And yet when, he, when they say what it is that Jesus has told them to say, lo and behold, coincidentally, they let him take that, the donkey. It's quite the coincidence. It's incredible. But then, if you're viewing this as a coincidence, it becomes downright impossible. What happens next in verse 7 says this, And they brought the colt to Jesus and, drew, and, sorry, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Now, I'm assuming that most of the people that are either listening or watching this don't have a, a donkey tied up outside. <laughs> you're not used to hopping on the donkey and riding it to Wegmans or anything like that. So this might be lost on our modern years, uh, on our modern ears. But what they have going on right here is rather impossible. They have, by pure coincidence, found not only a donkey, but a donkey colt that no one has ever sat on, which means it's not broken in. It has never been ridden, okay? Now, donkeys are notoriously bullheaded. They are stubborn animals, strong-willed. But by coincidence, <laughs> this donkey, the only one that they happen to find and be allowed to take, this one, the free one, <laughs> just so happens to be fine with cloaks being laid on its back. It's not bucking. It's not freaking out. Even though nothing has ever ridden on it, it's completely fine with blankets being thrown on its back. And then get this, a full grown man then sits on its back and the donkey's cool with it. Doesn't have to be broken in. It's never been ridden. What a coincidence that they find the freest, most calm donkey in all of Israel. <laughs> but it doesn't just end there. Jesus rides this donkey in front of a loud, screaming crowd, and the donkey's just chilling. Totally fine. It's incredible. It is the most flatlined donkey in all the world. People yelling, shouting. It seems impossible. Even at face value, this seems like a series of impossible coincidences. But then add to it that this is the first time we hear of Jesus riding anything other than a boat. And it just so happens to fulfill a prophecy associated with the Messiah. But the coincidences don't even end there. Verses 9 through 10 go on and say this, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna 
in the highest. Wow. Now, what you might not realize is that what they're singing in this moment, it's not a declaration of who they know Jesus to be. If, if you're just reading this at face value, you may come to that conclusion. Like, oh, we get it. Like people are just kind of realizing that this is Jesus, the miracle worker. And so they're shouting out some of what it is that he's been preaching up until this point, point back at him, you know, kind of affirming him. But that's not what's taking place. If you understand society and the culture, the context in which this is being written, what they're saying was actually a typical thing to be sung to anyone in this situation. It's one of the, what's called a Hallel Psalm. It would be sung as a blessing on all festival pilgrims as they're coming to the temple for Passover. So these songs that they're singing to Jesus are songs that they have sung several times before. But it just so happens coincidentally that this time as they sing it to this pilgrim, to this person coming in, they're actually singing it to a direct descendant of King David who has preached and taught about the coming kingdom of God. The coincidences are, they're unbelievable. They're incredible. Now, based on the betrayal that Jesus will experience from this very same crowd in less than a week's time, in less than a week's time, all of these people will turn their back on Jesus. It's clear that they aren't connecting the dots. As much as even the disciples think that they're understanding what's taking place, they're ultimately not connecting the dots. In the moment, they're distracted by their own perceptions, by their own perceived reality of what this means, of, of, of what the implications are here. But the readers of Mark, then and even now, well, we're faced with these historical facts and forced to declare incredible coincidence, unbelievable coincidence, or divine intent. We're forced to. Which side of that will you fall on today? Listen, don't miss it. Mark is confronting us with two things. The first thing is, Jesus is Christ the Savior. That's what he is plainly stating through the fulfillment of, of uh, the fulfillment of, I'm going to ask somebody in the room what I'm talking about, the fulfillment of prophecies. The fulfillment of prophecies. Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, the fulfillment of prophecies, but also just plainly stating everything within the text. Jesus is Christ the Savior. He fulfills all the prophecies. That's the first thing that Mark is, is laying out. The second thing, you and I can be so wrapped up in who we want God to be and what we want from God that we actually miss what he's doing. Let me say that again, for those of you that aren't connecting the dots. You and I can be so wrapped up in who we want God to be and what we want from God that we actually miss what he's doing. Jesus was doing something incredible in this moment. The messianic secret is being revealed. 
And everybody is so obsessed with what they want him to do and what it is they want to get from him that they're not connecting the dots. Even the spiritual, those that studied the the scriptures, yes, the disciples, for sure, but even the Jews as a whole that are surrounding him, the crowd that is around him, they were raised studying the prophets. And certainly, certainly the religious leaders, the Pharisees, But no one is fully, like I said, connecting the dots as to what's happening. You see, they don't don't just miss Zechariah 9.9. No. Jesus is fulfilling a lot of prophecies. A lot. I'll list some. You can look them up on your own. I could list a lot, but I'll go through just a handful real quick so you can realize the quote-unquote coincidences taking place. 2 Samuel 7. 12 through 16, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, Jeremiah 23, 5 through 8. I mean, the list goes on. Jesus is fulfilling prophecies right before them, and they're not connecting the dots. There's no coincidence here. There's no coincidence. I feel like if Jesus could right now at this moment just kind of grab your face and say, listen, I did everything for you. This was part of my plan. There's no accident here. Just like the girlfriend that that lovingly grabbed her boyfriend's face said, listen, this is all orchestrated. I know exactly what's taking place. It's because I love you. I care about you. Listen, just because you don't know what God is doing doesn't mean God doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) It's so important to understand. It's so important for all of us to understand, myself included, even saying it, I feel like I need to be reminded of that. Just because you don't know what God is doing doesn't mean God doesn't know what he's doing. If that's the case... If he is, in fact, sovereign, if this is divine intent and there is no coincidence, it means that he, the God of heaven and earth, really does love you. He really does love you. That he intentionally, with full intent, moved towards his death. He laid down his life. Not because he deserved it. Not because he did anything to earn it. But because he willingly laid down his life for you and for me. Because of the sins that we have committed. The death that we deserve. He took the penalty. Not by coincidence. Not by some cosmic accident that just fell into place. No, it was divine intent that caused Jesus, motivated by love, to go to a cross. He would pay the debt that you and I could never pay. What will you do with that? What will we do with that reality? This divine intent. You see, if you get it, if you truly understand, if you truly understand what it is that Jesus has done for you and for me, If you're really connecting the dots, then the only response that makes sense is for us to worship him, for us to respond in gratitude, to realize the depths that he went to, not because he had to, but because he so loved us. I mean, 
challenge you to ask yourself this specific application question this week. We always say the text requires something of us. So ask yourself this, how will I express worship to the Lord this week? How will I express worship to the Lord this week? For some of you out there, maybe you've You've heard the, the story of the triumphal entry. Maybe you've heard the story of, of Jesus dying on a cross, but you never realized how intentional it was, how specific it was, how much it fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, that it wasn't just some random coincidence, but it was actually an intent of love towards you. I want to challenge you. Maybe your expression of worship to Jesus is to give him your life. To say, okay, I'm done being the Lord and leader of my own life. I'm, I'm done trying to work this life out for myself. God, I surrender to you. If that's you, it can be as simple as a prayer that you pray in this moment. And it doesn't have to be these specific words, but something that acknowledges the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins. Ask him to, to forgive you of your sins and to be the Lord and leader of your life. It can be that easy can pray it wherever you find yourself right now. In fact, if you're with us live and you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to click on request the request prayer button and you'll go into a private chat with one of the hosts. And we'll just talk to you about what your next steps can be as you begin a relationship with the Lord. If you're listening or watching to this later, you can um, check out our website or even email us directly. We'd love to walk alongside you as you make this decision and this expression of worship towards the Lord. For others of you, if you've already crossed this line of salvation, what, is it, what does it look like for you to express worship to the Lord this week? What, is it, what does it look like for you to express worship in the way that you deal with your time, maybe? Your time or your talent or your treasure. We talk a lot about that because they're all-encompassing. Your time, your talent, and your treasure, it all comes back to that. Are you expressing worship to the Lord through those things? in a response to the love that he's extended towards you. If you're here with us this morning and you've already given your life to Christ and maybe it's a, a regular rhythm of your life to consider your time, talent, and treasure, I want to challenge you to consider what it looks like to missionally express worship to the Lord. To, to maybe listen and hear something specific that God's been challenging you to do, but you just, you want to keep that thing or, or, or you want to hold on to some level of, of comfort. You're not ready to, to lay that down or to extend grace to someone else. What does it look like to live on mission actively as an expression of worship to the Lord? I want you to contemplate that in your heart and mind as I close us in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we could certainly be surprised by all that you do in and through our lives. The way you continually extend grace and mercy. And yet, we should be aware of the fact that it's an intentional extension of your grace and your mercy towards us. Lord, would we never take that for granted? Father, would you forgive us for the places of our life that that has become rote or expected or even manipulated. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would move in divine ways because you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. Even if things aren't going the way we want and we're not getting what we think we expect, Lord, you are still worthy of our worship. And so we express that to you today. In your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. We hope you continue to be with us as we continue in this journey of connecting the dots together. We'll see you next week. That was a really great start to this brand new series. We pray in these eight weeks that we all connect the dots of what God is doing and what he's calling us to. This week, we encourage you to take time applying the text to see the divine intent in our lives. And as you do, and as our eyes are open to that, we're confident the outflow will be expressing worship to the Lord this week. Yeah, for sure. We say most every week at some point in our gatherings that there are lots of ways to worship. And we say that because it's easy to think of singing as the way that we worship. And while that's true, there are so many other ways as well. Worship is really just assigning worth to something. It's showing honor and adoration and elevating something worthy in our lives. So when you think about worship in that way, you begin to see your time, your talent, your treasure, and even your influence all as opportunities to worship throughout the week. Like Meredith said, singing is one way to worship, and we're about to do that together if you're gathered live. If you're connecting at another time, you can still worship by singing along with a video posted on Facebook or with the songs on Spotify. Just search for Centerway Church and look for the Connecting the Dots playlist. And for those gathered live uh, with us, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.